Conflict happens in the gap between expectation and experience. In marriage, you have conflict when, when you, what you expected doesn't match up with what you experience. Last year, Hannah and I got to do something that we haven't done in a really long time. We went on vacation without kids. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, I didn't realize how much I enjoyed silence (laughs) Uh, because I have three little ones. But uh, we went to Breckenridge, Colorado, and we've been to Breckenridge before. But in the past, with our littles, we couldn't do any hikes. And so this time we're like, hey, let's go do some hikes. We heard about a moderate hike, which moderate for me means really difficult. Uh, A moderate hike to McCullough Gulch. The very end, the finish line was this beautiful waterfall. Conflict happens in the gap between expectation and experience. We were excited for this trip, uh, for this hike. We were uh, were happy. We, We were expecting to have a lot of fun, a lot of laughter, and a lot of memories. And we did create some memories, okay? We start hiking, and uh, man, it was a lot more difficult than we anticipated. It was more difficult, especially because just a few days before, it snowed. And so the path was covered in snow. It was hard to find a path. There was snow and ice and mud everywhere. And we were like just slipping. I didn't know that hiking shoes were a thing. I just had regular running shoes. And we're, we're slipping everywhere. And a few hours later, we get to the waterfall, and we have the, like, cute little honeymoon, like, let's take a picture together, we did it, you know? And then I look to my right, and I see people walking down the mountain from higher up. I'm like, hey, where did y'all come from? And they say, uh... Up at the top, there's a lake where the waterfall originates. That's way better than right where you're at. Like, it was like a challenge. Like, it's way better. That that picture that you took is nothing like the view up there. And I said, well, how long does it take? They said, it's about a 30-minute hike, which I've come to learn you don't trust skinny people (laughs) when you're a big man like me when it comes to 30 minutes, like three hours, right? And so I was like, babe, we have a new finish line. Let's get to the top. And so we start hiking, and it's, it's, this is, it gets difficult because the last 30 minutes, whatever that was, it's steeper. It, it, it's hard to, to see where you're going. We're slipping. We're falling, literally falling down. And then it gets worse. All of a sudden, it starts snowing again. And I'm like, wow, our, our, our car is a little bit <laughs> further back. I mean, it's a journey back. I, this is dangerous. And Hannah goes, hey, I don't want to go anymore. And I was like, what you mean? Like, she's like I don't want to go. It's dangerous. You know, we need to get back. And I said, babe, we're going to be okay. Like, like, I had the man up moment. Like, come on, babe. Like, man up. We're going to do it. And we start going some more. And then it gets like, like it gets crazy. Like, we, we could barely even move further past a few feet. And she's like, babe, I'm not going anymore. And I was like, babe, you're going to be okay. Like, suck it up. You know, just, and she was like, no, I'm not going. And she actually starts getting a little bit terrified. Like, she was like, this is dangerous. She starts crying. You would think in the moment I would have sympathy for my wife. And she's crying. She goes, I'm not going anymore. But I was like, I need to get to the top. So I was like, Will you stay here and I'll get to the top. 
mind you, there's no cell phone service. We're lost in the woods. I don't know. And so I was like, I need to go. And so I went. And I'm, I'm hiking. Out. I was like, I- I'm going to get there. And a few minutes in, I realized something. I realized uh, I was supposed to be on this nice little hike trip with my wife, no kids, all lovey-dovey. And I just left, uh, left her on the side of a mountain. And then I was like, if it takes 30 minutes to get up and 30 minutes gets down, that means an hour that she's waiting in the snow, in the cold, crying. And I thought to myself, I imagine if she's just sitting there shivering, like crying, and someone walks by and says, ma'am, are you okay? And she goes, no, my husband left me. I was like, oh, that's not good. And so I was like, I'm turning back around. And so I'm running back down the mountain. I'm like, babe, here I come. Like, like I was saving her. I was like, I'm, I'll be there. And I get there and like, I love you so much. I'm so sorry. It's going to be okay. I was like, it's going to be, let's just take photos here. And the photo changed after I left her. You'll see that she was not having it. She was like, I ain't even looking at that photo. I don't even care. Conflict happens in the gap between expectation and experience. And, uh, you know, I said sorry to my wife. You know what? I don't think I actually really fully made up for that moment. Babe, why don't you come on stage? Hannah, come on stage. I need to publicly have humility. I've got some gifts for you that uh, I want to give you some, some flowers. There, I was supposed to give it to her, but, um, <laughs> oops, uh, I want to give you some flowers, some dark chocolate, say, I am sorry, I love you, I don't know why I left you on the mountain, I'm just an <laughs> idiot, but I have another gift for you, because I know when you mess up big, you got to make up big, and so I have a gift, just, just watch the screen, this is just for you, Okay. That we should be together It's unbelievable How I used to say that I'd fall never The basis that you need to know If you don't know just how I feel Then let me show you now that I'm for real If all things in time I will Just wanna be 
to see that you're the only one for me And four, three precepts, one through three Five, make you fall in love with me If ever I believe my work is done Then I start back at one <laughs> Love you Love you <laughs> today, today we're gonna. T- <laughs> that was embarrassing. Uh, today we're gonna talk about conflict in marriage. Okay, and as we continue our series, relationship health, there's gonna be conflict in your marriage when what you expected does not line up with what you experience. When wives, you expect him to take out the trash. You expect him to do the dishes, but you experience him on the couch just watching TV. Conflict. When husbands, you expect a hot cooked meal when you come home from a long day at work and you walk in the door and you experience cold leftovers. Like she ain't even think about dinner, okay? Conflict. When you expect her to, or you expect him to just be romantic, to, to get the flowers, to get the chocolates, to make a music video, but you experience the lack of pursuit of you. Conflict. Husbands, when you expect her to be physically intimate with you and you experience a dry spell. Conflict. Today we're gonna be talking about conflict resolution in a marriage and I totally understand that some of you guys have never understood that marriage can be really healthy when it comes to conflict resolution. Some of you guys have maybe for the longest time have either had a bad example or just think fighting and yelling at each other is a normal thing. I'm here for us to understand biblically of how we can resolve conflict and have healthy Marriages. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and so it should be easy for you to find. Genesis chapter 3. We're going to talk about the first couple, human couple, in the Bible, Adam and Eve. Now, you guys know this story. You guys, uh, the background context of Adam and Eve walking around the garden, and God's like, hey, yo, see that tree over there? Don't be eating fruit from it. And they go ahead and disobey, and they eat fruit from it. And what happens? Scripture says that their eyes were open, and they noticed that they were naked, okay? And then they went to Hobby Lobby, sewed some fig trees and fig leaves together, covered up. Which, side note, uh, someone once told me that laundry is a result of the fall. So if you, get, if you argue about laundry, it's because of the fall. Adam and Eve, you can blame them. Um, but let's look at the rest of the story, okay? In verse 8, chapter 3, verse 8, it says this. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, ready? Underline, highlight this part. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What happened? They messed up, and what was their first response? To cover up and hide. 
They didn't want to deal with their sin. They didn't want to address their problems. They didn't want to address the things that were going on. And as it relates to conflict in marriage, can I just be very clear? It's easy to hide in conflict, but it's best to communicate. It's easy to avoid the conflict, but it's best to talk about it. It's easy to say, oh, you know what? I'm just going to sweep it under the rug. I don't want to deal with it today because if I talk about it, it's just going to open up another can of more problems and more issues. I don't even feel like dealing with it. I know that that's so easy for us to do, but it's best for us to communicate with our spouse. Communication is very important in a marriage. Now, this is not profound. You've probably heard that a thousand times. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Heard it a bunch. I think so many times when we're in the church, when we get a lot of good advice, our temptation is to know the knowledge but not practice it. And what I've seen just being part of the church or having friends that go through marital issues, the, one that ha- the, the couples that usually have the biggest problems are usually the ones that just don't know how to communicate with each other. Communication is so important. And it's, it, uh, it's even more than that. It's about communicating openly and honestly about the gap that you are experiencing. And then verse 9 says this. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, this is Adam saying, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I again hid myself. Now I've read this scripture a bunch of times and I was like, why is God saying, where are you? Do you really think God doesn't know where Adam is right now? No, I mean, God just created the earth. Okay? He created all of the heavens and earth. I think God knows the best hiding spaces. Okay? But even more than that, it wasn't like there was billions of people on the earth. No, there was just two of them. God wasn't like, oh, is that Adam? No, that's not Adam. Is that? No, no, that's not Adam. No, a different haircut. No, there was only two of them. God knew where they were at. So why is God saying, where are you? Here's how I understand this scripture. It was an opportunity for Adam to confess that he had broken unity with the Father. Why is this important in conflict in marriage? Because the most important thing when it comes to your marriage is making sure first that conflict with your father is not there that you resolve conflict with him first. John talked about this in week one of, of relationship health. He talked about being healthy first. And so many of us in, in marriage want to resolve or, or, or talk, try to fix this without fixing this. But if you do fix that and you're like, okay, what, what, what should I do now? It's to, your role in life is really simple as a spouse. I'm going to break it down. If you're like, what's your, my role as a husband? Am I a provider, protector, or whatever? Here's, here's your role, ready? Is to push your spouse towards Jesus. That's your role, ultimate role. Is to push them towards Jesus, towards Christ. This is the greatest commands that Jesus was asked about. 
Someone says, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commands out of 633 laws? Which one should I obey? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, a.k.a. fix this, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Fix this. That's your role as a spouse. The only way this happens is if every motive is about honoring the Lord, about trying to, to honor his kingdom and his righteousness together. See, healthy marriages are ones that spouses are at war together rather than at war with each other. Your marriage is most healthy when you're together fighting for the kingdom, fighting for discipleship, fighting for lost souls, but God must be your priority. He must be. He has to be your priority. It's in the love that you have for him that you can truly love your spouse. Verse 11, and God said to him, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that I should not eat? Then the man said this, ready? The woman who you gave to be with me. Basically, hey, I didn't ask for a wife. You gave her to me, and she was the one that made me eat, right? And then the, the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? Then the woman said, see what had happened, God. You created all things, all creatures, and you created the serpent, and the serpent came over here and slithered in my ear and said, eat that fruit, and I did it. What's happening? This, this sounds like a lot of relationships today. Where we, when, when conflict starts to happen, we start shifting blame. Right? No, you did this. You did that. You didn't do that. Because of this is why this is happening. Come on, I hear this all the time. I am like this because you made me like that. Our marriage is not healthy because you didn't do your part. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. Can I just clarify that blame shifting is a sign of pride? When you start saying they, them, his fault, her fault, that's a sign of pride to say, oh, I'm not the, wrong, the one that's wrong. It's them. And healthy marriages are based on, health, uh, on humble hearts. A good healthy marriage is based on humble hearts. That's usually when conflict happens is one or the other is not humble enough. They have too much pride. And so here's, can I give you a practical? I know this is heavy. Can I give you a practical? In conflict with your spouse or any relationship, before you accused, before you said what you did, what you didn't do, ready? Questions to ask yourself. Hey, what can I do to make this relationship better? How can I love them better? How can I serve them better? Ready? Some of y'all don't want to do it. What can I change to make this better? How can I push them more to Jesus. Too many times your desire to be right is a hindrance to your ability to lead them to be holy. 
Too many times your desire that I have to be right is a hindrance to you leading them closer to Jesus. We need to have humble hearts. And Jesus talked about this humility and conflict resolution in the gospel, in Matthew. He talked about it more in the context of one Christian brother to another, but as I was preparing for this message, I was like, how cool would it be if we take that context and apply it to marriages? So let's do that right now. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 15. Jesus talks. This is his words, not mine. It says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell it to your friend. Moreover, if your husband or spouse, your wife messes up, go tell it to your mom and dad and get them on your side so that you guys can team up against them. Does it say that? No. Moreover, if your brother, your spouse sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Alone. This is going to be profound for somebody. Ready? When you have conflict with your spouse, it's not an opportunity for you to gossip to your friend about it. When you have conflict with your spouse, it's not, a, well, he understands me, so let me go talk to them, and then I'll resolve it. No, no, no. When you do that, by the way you create another triangle of conflict between someone else and your spouse. Go to them individually and resolve it. If not, ready, or it says, if he hears you, you have gained your brother. I know that sounds so weird to talk to in uh, marriage, but the goal is always restoration, not being right. If you have conflict in your marriage, it's not to be right, it's to restore a relationship. Verse 16. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. This is why I think, and I know that small groups are so important for us, or for you to put, in, put yourself in submission to spiritual authority, that you can have one or two that you can take and say, hey, our marriage is kind of not doing so well, can you help us? That's important. Some of us don't want to go to that step. It's just like, well, it's not working, so I'm out. And then verse 17, this continues. If he refuses to hear him, tell it to the church, which for me is an indication it's okay to seek help. It's okay, and maybe I'm talking just to the fellas, it's okay to get counseling. That doesn't make you weak. That actually makes you strong. It's okay to seek help, but if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. That's not for y'all in marriage, okay? You can't be like, well, I tried, bye. No, no, no. God, God knows and created marriage to be holy, to be committed, and faithful. And he speaks very strongly against divorce. Now, when I was uh, younger, single, I was given some really good marriage advice, which if you're single in this room, I know you're like, well, how, why, does this, why should I listen? I got the best marriage advice before I was married, so take notes, okay? The best marriage advice I was ever given before I was married was this. Marriage is a team sport. You win as a team and you lose as a team. Marriage is a team sport. You win as a team, and you lose as a team. Let me explain like this. 
Uh, this year, 2021, is a really good year for me because I am a lifelong Buccaneers fan. Okay, I am a Buccaneers fan. I didn't, I'm not a bandwagoner, okay, Cowboys fan. This could be your year, I don't know. I don't know which year is your year. And I, I, and I was excited this year when we won the Super Bowl because I got to celebrate with my family and my kids and we threw like this party. My kids had no idea why we were partying at 10 o'clock at night, but they were like, we're gonna party, we get to stay up. You know? And so we had this, we had a blast watching our team won football is a team sport. You guys know that. Our quarterback, Tom Brady, which some of you guys hate, I get it. Tom Brady, I I thought about this. If Tom Brady, quarterback, plays the best game of his life out of a hundred year career, he has the best game of his life, but the rest of the team, they don't do too well. Matter of fact, they don't help out and the team loses. Because Tom Brady had really good stats, does that mean the team loses and he wins? No, you win as a team, you lose as a team. Same concept. If Tom Brady throws, has the worst game of his entire career, but the team somehow rallies and they win. Because Tom Brady had a bad game, does, he, does that mean he loses and the rest of the team wins? No, you win as a team, you lose as a team. It's the same way in your marriage. Husbands, if you feel like you're winning and your wife feels like she's losing, then you're losing. Wives, if you feel like you're winning and your husband feels like he's losing, then you're losing. You are a team. This is stuff that Hannah and I would say early on in our marriage. We would use this language in any time we got into any argument. I would ask her, it was a safe way to say, when we're like, like talking to each other, getting kind of heated, I would say, Hannah, do you, do you feel like you're winning? And she said no. And that was a trigger for me to say, well, I want to help you win. So however else, I need to humble myself. This is, um, God, I'm telling you, this is gold. You win as a team and you lose as a team. But some of you guys are like, well, how can I be a better team? And so I did something that I normally don't do. I created an acronym to help you guys out, okay? The acronym is with the word team to help you guys be a better team. And so T in team stands for trust. If you wanna be a good team, you need to have good trust. What is trust? Trust is believing the best in your spouse. Believe in the best, assuming the best. When things are, you're like, I don't understand what's wrong with her. Assume the best. Trust is to have faith in your spouse. Trust is to rely on your spouse. I think about it like this. You guys ever did trust fall in elementary school? Where you, you like, you kind of just lean back and someone like catches you? You know what I'm talking about? And if you're really bold, you do it off of a stage. Or if you're like dangerous, you do it off of a building. <laughs> That'd be weird. Catch me. <laughs> um, but that's what trust is, is knowing that someone has got your back. And, I, and I'm gonna say this very lightly because I, I, I know this. I know that some of you guys in your marriage feel like you can't trust your spouse because what they have done in the past, what they have done or said in the past. 
And I get that. I get that it's hard to trust. But can I show you that if you don't give trust to your spouse, your whole relationship is you going like this, but saying, no, I'm not going to fall back. I'm not going to trust you the whole time. And that's not healthy. And I get it. I get if, they've, if, if, if you've lost trust. But can I say Jesus, our Father, is the perfect example of trusting us when we don't deserve it and forgiving us when we don't deserve it. Trust your spouse. Trust your spouse, ready, to be able to openly and communicate your gap. That when expectation didn't meet experience, you're, you, trust, you, have, you have trust enough to be able to say, hey, this didn't really line up how I expected. On the flip side, trust is when, you're, when you hear some of the gap and you don't get so defensive of it. T, trust in a team. E stands for energy. Energy. Now you're like, what is energy? Well, I really mean energy management. Early on, I got the advice of spend time with your wife, spend time with your wife, spend time with your wife. And I realized I can spend time with my wife, but give her leftover energy. And so I remember we would go on date night to the movies, and I realized I was more engaged and invested into the characters on the screen than I was to the person sitting right next to me. You can spend time with your wife and st- or, or spouse and still miss being with her. I think of it like this. It's a financial principle. You guys know uh, financially when it, the difference between spending money and investing money, right? When you spend money, it's gone. You don't see it again. When you invest money, you get something called an ROI, which stands for return on investment. If you spend time with your wife, it's fine, but it's gone. If you invest time with your wife, you get an ROI, which is a healthy marriage. Ready? Don't invest more time into your work than you do your spouse. Don't invest more time into your hobbies than you do your spouse. Don't, don't invest, ooh, I'm going to step on toes. You guys aren't ready for it. Don't invest more time to your kids than you do your spouse. Some of you guys are showing your spouse that you love your kids more than you love her. I stepped on toes, sorry. Don't give your spouse any leftover energy. Don't do it. T, trust. E is energy. A is affirm. We need to learn how to affirm each other. This is not just a marriage principle. This is a kingdom principle. It really is. If we're the body of Christ, we need to be lifting each other up. We need to affirm each other. Here's the problem, though, in our culture. There has become a big difference between affirmation and criticism. Huge difference between encouragement and criticism. You want to know the differences? Today, I could get a hundred people say, great job today, good sermon, and then I could get one person, just one, come up to me and would be like, well, the way you interpreted that scripture, theologically, it just doesn't go align the context of it, and uh, Jesus wouldn't have done that. And they criticize me, and what happens? Though I had a hundred compliments and I get one critique, my day is ruined from the one critique. You want to know why? 
Because criticism is specific and we have made encouragement general. We have, as a culture, have not really learned how to affirm each other because we do it generally. We'll say, thank you for all you do, which I absolutely hate when people say that. So thank you for all you do. I'm like, so what do I do, you know? But this is the same in your marriage. Don't just say, you know, hey, great job, babe. I don't know what you would say that for, but (laughs) here's how I can help you. Really practical, really, really practical. Don't just say, I love you. Say a next word after it and finish the sentence. I love you because, then finish it. Don't just generalize, I love you. I love you because this. I love you because that. Or you want, I'll give you more tips. I'm up here giving tips for everybody. Don't just say, girl, you look good. You need to be like, girl, what you do with your hair? Oh, I like the highlights. Oh, did you draw in those eyebrows? Girl, ooh, looking like McDonald's right there, you know? Did you just wax that lip today? Come on. Don't, okay, don't do that, don't do that. But you see how you can get general and compliments just fly over, but if you were specific, speak to him, speak to her of who they actually are. And you can do that through their love language. You can affirm through their love language. All right, this is T, trust, E, energy, A, affirm. And this last one, this is, this is just for my married couples, okay? If you're single and you're dating or you're trying to find a boo, this ain't for you, okay? But in order to have a, be a good team, you gotta make love. I only got two amens, all right. I just thought that I'd get more guys, like, amen, hallelujah. You gotta make love. And some of you guys are like, oh, this is inappropriate for church. You must be the person that skips Song of Solomon in your yearly Bible plan, right? Just, not this book. (laughs) This is very biblical. Physical intimacy is important. I would say physical intimacy is a litmus test of actually how healthy your marriage is. And you're like, what? That doesn't make sense. Well, let me explain it to you. If your goal, if your role as a spouse is to push them towards Jesus, can I just say, this will take them to be more holy in righteousness. Like, ladies, you have power to keep your man holy and righteous. You have power to keep them from temptation of what looking on their phone, on their laptop, looking at another lady. You have power to keep them holy with just 15 minutes. Some of y'all are like, that's too long. No. I'm dead serious. But at the same time, fellas, can I speak to you? If you are holy, if you are God-fearing, if you are righteous, if you are spending time with the Lord, that's more attractive to her than your six-pack abs, which I can't even get. But she wants to see that you love Jesus. 
And that if you are taking care of the family, if you are leading the family, if you are leading the marriage, if you are taking care of her needs, she'll take care of yours. That's how you be a team. You trust. You give energy and life. You affirm. And physically, yes, you are intimate. And I'm saying these things, and I know I'm saying that pretty lightly, but I, I understand that even in this room, some of you guys, if you were honest, can say, man, I've been lacking in this area in my marriage. Some of the guys are like, yeah, my wife is like, nah, I don't go there. But seriously, some of you guys are lacking. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take just a few minutes, and I want to do something that's very important. You're going to think it's cheesy. You're going to think that's awkward, okay? You might be like, this is awkward. Hey, you know what I love saying? I said, an awkward conversation prevents an awkward moment. So I want to make this just a little bit different for you. So if you are with your spouse, if she's, she or he are sitting next to you, I'm going to give you some instructions, okay? If you are single and ready to mingle, you just take notes or you pray or something, okay? <laughs> Y'all should never let me teach in a marriage series. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to start with the husbands first. I'm going to create an opportunity to take, I was going to use the, word, the number 15 again, but that's all messed up in their head. I'll give you guys 15 seconds to confess to your spouse in which area that you have been lacking when it comes to a team, okay? And so when I instruct this, here's what I want you to do. If your spouse is right next to you, I want you to look them in the eye right now. Men, women, look each other in the eye. If you don't do it, I can see everybody and I'll call you out. And I'm gonna start with the men right now. Look, each other, look your wife in the eye and say, babe, sugar, honey, I don't know what you guys call each other. I am sorry for not and you tell them, I am sorry for not trusting you more. I'm sorry for not affirming you more. Ready? I'm going to give you guys 15 seconds right now. Men, go. You better do it because I'm watching. All right. Fellas, good job leading the way. Ladies, it's your turn. Ladies, in the same manner. And be honest, okay, because you can lie. You ain't lying to me, you lying to her, and she knows. Or you can lie to him, but he knows. I know this feels awkward. I'm just gonna, I keep saying this. I know this feels awkward and it seems kind of cheesy, but I just wanna start conversations. Because some of you guys may need to take this conversation back home and say, man, I, I really need to confess. And so, ladies, I'm going to give you guys 15 seconds to confess, to say, I'm sorry that I have not. And you, you pick whichever letter. Some of you guys are like, please pick M. No, seriously. I get even, I get even, I'm you know, talking about it, but I know sometimes even in marriages that actually is... A, a place where it's like, man, we, we just have not been physically intimate. I keep talking. Ladies, 15 seconds. Take 15 seconds right now and talk to your man. 
All right, good job. Now here's what I want to do. I like this cheesy marriage stuff. I want both of you guys to look at each other in your eyes, and together you're going to repeat after me. We're going to make a little covenant right here in this service between you, God, and your spouse. You and single people, I'll just take note. Keep praying. <laughs> Married couples, right now, look each other in the eye and repeat after me. I commit. Oh, y'all not loud enough. I commit to live and love as a team. One more time. I commit to live and to love as a team. Will you guys stand and let's pray. Father, thank you for marriage. Thank you for this holy union. God, we're grateful because marriage was your idea. And you instructed it to be good and holy and pure and fun. And so God, thank you. I pray for the marriages within this church. Father, that they would be healthy. But God, if there is some reason that there is conflict, Lord, I pray that couples would humble themselves before you and before each other and resolve it in the most biblical way. Help us, help couples, Lord, be a team. We love you, we thank you. In your name, amen.